The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome everybody to a very special episode of MMA on the Rocks, episode number 21. Today's Tuesday, November 8th, but by the time you hear this, it'll be Thursday, November 10th. And with me uh, for the second episode in a row, Jeff the Animal Wilson. We're going to break down UFC 205 uh, taking place this Saturday at Madison Square Garden in New York City. How are you feeling about this, Jeff? Super excited, so stoked. First ever UFC event legally allowed to be held in the in New York. Uh, so super excited. The venue's awesome. I love MSG. It's one of my favorite places to go see anything. So the the card itself looks stacked. I cannot be more excited. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm with you. I mean, I was born and raised in New York. I spent most of my life living there. Uh, if you live and listen to past episodes, you know that I've since moved to Florida. Ever since uh, I couldn't get tickets to UFC 205, I decided to just pack up and move to warmer climates. But yeah, the Garden is really a special place. I mean, I've seen I've seen all kinds of sporting events and concerts and things all over the world. There's really no place like Madison Square Garden, even just in the, in the theater section, but I've seen concerts there. I've seen sporting events. I've seen pro wrestling. So many different things. I would love to be there for UFC 205, but I'm excited just for the fact that it's happening. Uh, I mean, we've been talking for years about MMA getting sanctioned in New York, and for a while it seemed like it just wouldn't happen. Every time the bill came up, it got shot down due to some old school crooked politics in New York, but luckily, People like Dana White and, and Chris Weidman kept advocating for the sport and presenting statistics, and they didn't give up. And, you know, it really it, it really paid off because it really makes it special. And it's really built, the sport has built up so much since they first started trying to get into New York. And now that they're there, they're able to put on one of the greatest cards that's ever been put together on paper, if not the greatest card. Um, so... You, you have a pretty good idea of who's who's on this card and the fights that are on it, especially the big title fights. Who would you say off the top of your head is the biggest favorite? Who is the, the biggest betting favorite uh, out of all the f- amazing fights on this card? Um, as someone who's a little bit more than a casual fan and someone who, you know, does have a true love and respect for the sport, I would have to just guess that the probably the biggest favorite of any of these fights has to go to Joanna Jacek. Yep, that's that's a pretty fantastic guess. She is by far the biggest favorite if you look up and down this card. She's a she's at minus 380 right now and uh, her opponent Karolina Kovokovic is at plus 342. So she is she's by far the the biggest betting favorite with uh, your boy Frankie Edgar coming in second he's at minus 315 as of right now again we're recording this on tuesday and this will be posted 
on Thursday. So the, the odds may fluctuate a little bit between now and then, and hopefully the card stays intact, but there's always the chance that the betting odds will change. So what do you say we break down this card, Jeff, and let's start uh, let's start at the bottom and work our way up. So the first fight... Sounds, sounds what? I was going to say it sounds like a plan. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say it sounds like a terrible idea. Let's work from the middle out. <laughs> <laughs> No, that that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> All right, good. Let's let's go with the first plan then. So the first fight right off the bat, I, I don't want to miss one fight on this entire card because right off the bat, um, you know we're gonna have some fireworks. Liz Caramouche, who is is one of the veterans of the women's bantamweight division, uh, taking on fairly newcomer Caitlin Chukagian. She's a Jersey girl, Henzo Gracie athlete. And it, this is a really interesting matchup because uh, Karamush is one of the more uh, veteran girls on the roster. She welcomed Ronda Rousey into the UFC in Ronda Rousey's first fight. Um, she, she's had a bit of a layoff. She hasn't fought since April of 2015, uh, which was a win over Lauren Murphy. Before that, she had two decision losses to Misha Tate and uh, Alexis Davis. And uh, Caitlin Chukagian, undefeated fighter, uh, as I said, a Henzo, Henzo Gracie affiliate. She trains at Henzo's in New York City. Uh, she also trains out in Hoboken, New Jersey. Eight-fight win streak, very strong grappler. She won her first fight in the UFC. She got called up uh, last minute to face Laura Murphy and uh, pulled off a unanimous decision, looked very dominant. Uh, she threatens off her back with submissions. She's got very long legs, very long limbs, so a very efficient grappler. But, you know, Karamush is the veteran, so she does have that going for her. How do you see this fight playing out, Jeff? This is an uphill battle for, for Caitlin, man. Uh, Liz Karamush is such a tough chick, and she's got, you know, she's got really good punching power. Her grappling's pretty decent, and I remember her giving Ronda Rousey a tough time, and while Ronda did win the fight in the first round, it, it was a nail-biter, because Carmouche had her in a really tight rear-naked choke, and it looked like she could have broken Ronda Rousey's jaw um, with the way she had it locked up. So Carmouche is a tough customer, man. I gotta be honest with you, I don't know if Chikagian can pull it out. Yeah, well, Chikagian as of right now is the betting favorite She's at a minus 167. Karamuch is at plus 153. Uh, so that might be a bet you want to make. Uh, you know, if your prediction is correct, you could make a little bit of money there. Now, again, we're, we're going to give, this is the first time we're ever talking about betting odds on the show. Uh, I usually don't bring it up, but I figure it'll just throw in a different variable while we go up and down this card, and it'll just give us kind of a, a point of reference. Um I don't really know what to make of betting odds with MMA because the people who make them are just looking at stats on a piece of paper. Uh, they must follow a certain algorithm or something based on wins and losses. And obviously, Caitlin Chukagian is the favorite here because she is an undefeated fighter. But uh, you have to take into consideration the caliber of, of fighters each of them has faced. Liz Karamouche obviously has faced a higher level of competition in her career than Chukagian has. But Chukagian's coming out of a great camp. Uh, she's coming, you know, she's working with Mark Henry. She's working with Henzo Gracie. 
so you definitely can't count her out and and she did look great in her last fight um i i think this this fight uh, for starting off a card could easily be on a main card uh on a fight night or something like that definitely very exciting uh, the next fight up the card uh Bilal muhammad who is 10 and 1 fighting uh ultimate fighter alumni vicente luque uh how familiar are are you with these two fighters jeff uh, I'm wavering at about a two here, Bill. I have no idea who either of them are. <laughs> All right, so I guess it's kind of a kind of a flip a coin here for you, Jeff. Uh, I'm go- I'm going to go with Luke just because he's the Latino guy and I'm a Latino guy. So I'd like for the Latino guy to get a win. <laughs> okay, sounds like <laughs> sounds like a solid strategy. Um, well, it sounds like you're picking the underdog again because Vicente Luque is at a plus one thirty one. As of right now, Bilal Muhammad is a minus 159 favorite. Um, he does have the better record of the two. Uh, I believe he does have a little bit more UFC experience. He's got two fights in the UFC, and he's 1-1 one one in those fights. Um, his one loss is to Alan Joban, who, as we know, is, is a top competitor right now. But Luke coming off the... Uh, the Ultimate Fighter show. He's part of the Black Zillions camp uh, down in Florida. And um, yeah, South American, Brazilian. So if you take uh, if you take Jeff if you take Jeff's uh, betting advice, then you're going two underdogs in a row here on this card. <laughs> yeah, but I to be honest, I think that Carmouche can win you some money, Bill. And as for Luque. Is it too late to change my opinion of who's going to win? <laughs> no, not at all. It's never too late. <laughs> we... Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to switch my vote on that one just because uh, Luque's got a little bit less fighting experience and he's he's fresh off tough, man. That's, that's always a really hard position to be in just because, yeah, you've, you've gotten some cool training, you've gotten a little bit of spotlight, but it, it's a different world. It's such a big jump from amateur to professional, man. All right, so we'll let you change your pick, and then uh, let, let's do another thing that we've never done before. Let's let's go back and, and reference these picks and, and see how you did at the end of this thing, since we're going to go through the entire card. This will be a first for the show as well. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like a plan. Cool. So you got Liz Karamush for the first fight, Bilal Muhammad. The third fight on this card could easily, easily be a main event on a Fox Sports 1 card or, or a Fox card. You got the, the local boy, Jim Miller, taking on Tiago Alves, who's making his debut at 155 pounds. Now, Jim Miller is one of the staples of the lightweight division. I think he may have the most wins in the lightweight history. If, if he doesn't, then he's, he's definitely up there in that conversation. Tiago Alves is a guy who fought most of his career at 170 pounds and even had a couple of times... Um, where he missed weight. I think he missed weight against Matt Hughes when he fought him. Um, his last fight was in May of 2015, where he got knocked out by Carlos Condit. Um, this is a this is a big guy. I mean, he's not he's not the tallest guy. He he is 5'10, but he he carried a lot of muscle at that 170-pound weight class. So if he's still carrying all that muscle, you got to be concerned about him making 155 pounds. If he's not, and if he did trim down to uh, make this weight cut, 
then, you know, it could be a tough night for Jim Miller because obviously Tiago Alves has a big storm that he brings. He has excellent high-level Muay Thai. He hits hard. Uh, but Jim Miller is a grinder. You can't you can't count him out against anybody. Um, and if he's able to weather that storm, then I could see him kind of grinding Tiago Alves down and um, and coming away with, with a victory here. How do you see this fight going, Jeff? Bill, you know I'm a Jersey boy through and through, man. So I gotta <laughs> give it to Miller. Uh, like you said, it might be hard for Silva to make 155, and if he does. He's still probably going to be packing some muscle on him. And, you know, all that muscle comes with a price. You know, your body still has to get oxygen and blood to all those muscles. So I feel like Miller can grind it out. If he can make it past Silva's barrage, and, again, he's got awesome striking. But if Miller can pass that and survive, I feel like he can grind it out for three rounds and get the decision. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Miller actually the underdog in this fight, which is kind of surprising to me. Since Alves has had such a long layoff, Alves coming in at a minus 157 favorite as of right now. Miller's a plus 143. Um, so it looks like you're you're leaning a lot towards the underdogs on this card. Um, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me since Alves has had such a long layoff. He's he's dropping weight down to 155, a whole weight class from the weight class where he struggled to make weight. Uh, I mean, there's been talks of this guy walking around at 200 pounds, and now he's going to go down to 155. And Jim Miller's coming off two impressive wins uh, over uh, Joe Lozon and Takanori Gomi. So, again, I don't really understand how they create these odds, but, you know, uh, according to your philosophy, Jeff, uh, it'd be wise to bet on the underdog in this one. Yeah, and I just want to apologize to you, Bill, because I was thinking Tiago Silva earlier when I spoke, but it is Tiago Alves. My mistake, everybody. I'm allowed to have those. <laughs> All right. So if if you <laughs> if you are basing your gambling strategy off of this podcast, you can choose to go with Jeff or against him. Uh, that's <laughs> so you can, you can take yeah i don't know if i'm making the best case by not getting the fighters names right either so yeah you know, this is just me being a fan well hopefully you got some good luck coming your way because i know you're making your way down to atlantic city this weekend the place where where gamblers go to die that's fair that's why I'm not gambling. I'm just there to get drunk, Bill. <laughs> well, you know, with the way you're making these picks, it might be a wise choice. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you a thousand percent. All right. Well, so let us know on social media, too, if you're with Jeff or you're against him on these picks. I think this is an interesting angle, and I would love to hear everybody's opinion on this. Of course, you can get Jeff at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter, and you can find us at MMA on the Rocks, as always, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So the next fight, uh, we're bumping up in weight to 185. Uh, another Henzo Gracie fighter in uh, Rafael Natal, and he's taking on Tim Bost. So Natal coming off a unanimous decision loss in April against Robert Whitaker, but after that, he was on a, a pretty impressive four-fight win streak, and um, Tim Bost... You know, he's one of those guys that when he shows up, he shows up, and when he doesn't, he doesn't. Uh, his last fight was uh, a TKO victory over uh, Josh Saman, who has since tragically passed away. 
Um, but that was a, a come from behind victory for for Boast. He was kind of he was kind of in a little bit of trouble in the first round, and then uh, once it turned into more of a slugfest, he was able to to land some of those those clean uppercuts. But after that, he had uh, suffered three losses in a row. So how do you see Natal versus Boast playing out, Jeff? Now, Bill, I gotta go with the local guy again, man. I gotta go with Natal on this one. I feel like he's got some really good jujitsu. He's good on the ground, and I feel like he too is a bit of a grinder, uh, like Miller. So I feel like if he can grind it out, I feel like Natal can really dominate Bosch. Uh, won't be an easy task though, because Bosch he throws hard. He throws some heavy leather. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's one of those guys who can just end a fight against anybody. Uh, with one punch, uh, if he lands one of those those uh, trademark uppercuts, then then he can put anybody to sleep. Much like R- Rafael Natal was put to sleep at one point by the contender in the next fight, which I'm hearing now, and again, this is only Tuesday that we're recording this. I'm hearing now that this fight may not happen, which is devastating news. Tim Kennedy, who did knock out Rafael Natal a couple of years ago was set to face Rashad Evans. And Rashad Evans was going to make his debut at middleweight, obviously dropping down from light heavyweight. And here's a guy who has fought as high as heavyweight in his career. He won the Ultimate Fighter at heavyweight. This was going to be a fantastic event. And amazing that it's on an undercard because these are two superstars who I don't think either of them have ever fought on an undercard. But apparently there were some issues with Rashad Evans and his medicals. Uh, we don't know any details as of right now, but uh, sources tell me that this fight is off for the time being. So, Jeff, let me get first your reaction to this fight being canceled, and then how do you think it would have played out if it happened? Uh, for one, I'm super upset that this fight, if it is canceled, I'll be unbelievably upset. Uh, they're both Rashad Evans and Tim Kennedy, man, awesome fighters, awesome performers always a pleasure to watch uh either of them go to work and to be honest bill i don't know how to call this one i honestly could not tell you who i think would win just because they're both so good and such game fighters that i i seriously this is probably one of the few uh fights on the card that i i have no idea who would win okay well uh tim kennedy actually a big favorite in this one minus 220 he was one of the biggest favorites on the card, um, you know, I don't. Again, I don't know how they really come up with these numbers. I would think that they would take the weight cut into consideration because that's what I would do. Uh, Rashad Evans, no spring chicken, and to move down a weight cut this late in his career seems a little bit dangerous, and um, you know that may have contributed to the medical problems that he had going into this. Again, we don't know what the cause. Uh, of his um, of his medical concerns were it, it seems like the New York State Athletic Commission is not going to let him fight and obviously we've never seen the New York Athletic Commission act on MMA before so they may have some strict guidelines that we're unfamiliar with or maybe Rashad Evans is having some health problems either way obviously we hope that he's able to recover and bounce back um, now comes the question, though, Jeff, because we talked about on the last episode how Luke Rockhold had to pull out of his fight with Jacare Souza, who obviously is one of the top contenders in this division. 
So if you're Tim Kennedy, do you call out Jacare? Because I don't think Jacare is going to come looking for a fight right now. It seems like he wants Bisping or nothing. If you're Tim Kennedy, do you call out Jacare Souza to come fight on four days' notice? If you're Tim Kennedy, yes, you call him out. Uh, like you said before in the last episode, it's the path of least resistance, man, uh, to get to that belt. And Tim Kennedy, in his own right, is no spring chicken either. You know, he's up there in years as well, and he served in the military. He's a tough dude, but time is not on his side right now. So I think that, yeah, you got to call out Jakare. And, you know, Jakare on four days' notice, you know, I, I don't know what type of shape he would be in. I don't know what he'd be weighing in at. But, you know, it's a risk you got to take. Yeah, I think for both of them, it would be a smart choice because, say, in the off chance that the the fight later in the card between Chris Weidman and Yoel Romero is a dud, say they go to a boring decision and or it's close, it's a split decision. If Tim Kennedy calls out Jacare and finishes him, knocks him out or submits him, um, in my opinion, that would bump him up the list closer to a title shot. And likewise for Jacare, if he's able to finish Tim Kennedy or win in an impressive fashion, um, that would definitely strengthen his argument for a title shot. And it seems like you need a strong argument to get a title shot with Michael Bisping because he's being very protective of that belt. He's calling out guys who aren't ranked in the top 10. He's calling out welterweights like George St. Pierre. Um, so it seems like you have to you have to have a clear contender beyond a shadow of a doubt to get a crack at that belt. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, you know, death before decisions and all that, man. Uh, it's you gotta you gotta make a real real strong argument. Uh, which I actually uh, going back to the Bisping thing, I find it a little ironic that he doesn't want to take uh, top contenders because. If I remember correctly, uh, going into his title fight uh, initially against Luke Rockhold, I don't think he was a top contender either. Yeah, uh, I don't think he was ranked in the top five or anything like that. No. Um, I, I mean, if you ask some people, he's still not ranked in the top five, even though he's the champion. Um, but you do, you do have a division of killers here at, at middleweight. And um, I, I guess he just doesn't want to pay it forward for whatever reason. Uh, but... I, I think it would be wise for him to take this fight. For I think it would be wise for Tim Kennedy to call out Jacare, and I think it would be wise for Jacare to take the fight. I would imagine he's in shape since he was in the middle of fight camp to fight Luke Rockhold. Uh, the the weight cut might be a quick turnaround, but you know I think he's a guy who's never out of shape. I think even when he found out his fight was off, I'm sure he wasn't you know hitting the buffet and and going out for going out for ice cream at night. Uh, I'm pretty sure this guy's in shape 365 days a year. Two other guys who are, are pretty consistently in great shape, although both have, have suffered injuries, um, lightweights Khabib Nurmagomedov and Michael Johnson. And this, still an undercard, believe it or not, uh, two top contenders in the division, and this is a really exciting fight. You have Khabib, who's undefeated, 23 and 0 and then you have Michael Johnson who's coming off a lightning fast knockout over Dustin Poirier in his last fight. I think it's the best we've ever seen Michael Johnson looked. Uh, he really showed off his hand speed in that fight and shows that he has some knockout power in his back pocket. Both of these guys 
are high-level wrestlers. Obviously, Khabib's wrestling credentials are a lot higher than Michael Johnson's. But, you know, Michael Johnson is long and lanky, which he may be able to pull the Tony Ferguson strategy, what Tony Ferguson did to Rafael Dos Anjos on Saturday night, and uh, keep Khabib at a distance and maybe use that hand speed to his advantage. On the other hand, if Khabib gets a hold of anybody, he's going to toss him around the octagon, much like he did to the former champion, Rafael Dos Santos. Uh, how do you see this one playing out, Jeff? This one, i got to be honest with you, i got to give it to Khabib for this one. He's got a long, long list of wins. Uh, and like you said, if he gets his hands on you, man, he's going to throw you around. And he's big for that weight class. Yeah, yeah. so he's a big 155er, dude. Uh, you know, Johnson's good, too. But I, I feel like Khabib can pull it out. Yeah, I mean, Khabib has a lot of impressive wins on his resume. Glyson Tebow, Thiago Tavares, a lot of other big, big uh, lightweights. Abel Trujillo, and then obviously the former champion, Rafael Dos Anjos, he just ragdolled him. He did have a long layoff. I know he suffered a lot of injuries. Uh, so that's kind of been his major criticism. Only 28 years old, and the guys had uh, several knee surgeries and things like that how, how do you think this fight bodes in terms of title contention obviously if michael johnson were to win that would only be the second win in a row granted it would be a huge win ending a 23 fight win streak for khabib but he before that he did have losses to nate diaz and benil dariush and then we just saw tony ferguson with a big win over the former champion so if you're correct and if khabib does pull off the victory here who do you think gets the next crack at the 155 pound crown oh man see yeah that that's where this division is in a little bit of disarray man because i personally would like to see tony ferguson get the title shot mm -hmm. uh but you know if johnson wins he he snaps the record of one of the toughest dudes at 155 so you can't uh, you can't rule him out if he does get the win, and the sure. same for Khabib. He's he, you know he's been dominating everybody that the UFC has put in front of him. So I mean, it's a tough call, man. But I personally would like to see Tony Ferguson get the title shot. Yeah. Um, but then I can't say anything bad about Khabib or Johnson if they win their fight. But I mean, as a fan, I feel like. Uh, let's say Tony Al I mean, let's say Eddie Alvarez gets the win. Uh, I would like to see Ferguson fight him. And then maybe Khabib after. Uh, winner gets Khabib, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, that would be, it would be tough to deny Tony Ferguson. I mean, he's got nine wins in a row. He just beat the former champion. Khabib is the a heavy favorite in the fight against Michael Johnson, by the way. He's coming in at a minus 250. I got to tell you, as a fan... I would like to put the title out of the picture, and I think a fight between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson would be phenomenal. I think that would be a really exciting fight. I mean, between the, the scrambles and um, the grappling of these two fighters, I think that would make for a really exciting fight. But again, there's so many variables at play in this division right now. Uh, Conor McGregor's kind of throwing a kink in here, and then if he is able to beat Eddie Alvarez, uh, he, he's kind of been able to dictate who gets title shots in the past. 
so there's the possibility of that happening as well. So uh, who, who knows what happens with, with the title picture at 155 pounds. And then if Connor wins, is he going to stay at 155? Is he going to defend the 145 pound uh, championship? Is he going to is he going to try and go back to 170? I, I mean, who knows what this guy's going to do. But something that is predictable is that Frankie Edgar and Jeremy Stevens are going to put on an amazing fight. I mean, these are two tough, tough guys. They both have fought at higher weight classes before. They both fought at 155. Obviously, Frankie Edgar was the world champion at lightweight. Now he's at 145. He's coming off the loss against Jose Aldo at UFC 200, and he's he's bouncing back here. Uh, Frankie Edgar's kind of in a tough spot. Uh, I heard an interview with him where he was asked, you know, what does a win over Jeremy Stevens do for you? And he kind of paused, and his response was, I really don't know. Uh, for Jeremy Stevens, he has everything to gain here. He, uh, he just recently dropped down to 145. He has looked really, really good there. I mean, he had a decision loss against Max Holloway, but his last fight, he was able to, to beat former champion uh, at 135, Hennon who moved up in weight. Uh, and I thought he looked fantastic in that fight. Obviously, Jeremy Stevens has uh, punching power to knock out anybody uh, probably at 170 pounds. The guy has ridiculous power. Uh, but we've seen some pretty impressive power out of Frankie Edgar as of late, too. Uh, we already talked about Frankie Edgar is, is a big favorite in this fight. He's the second biggest favorite on the entire card at minus 315. Jeremy Stevens sitting at plus 289. I, I kind of have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this one, Jeff, but, but let me hear you break it down anyway. Uh, so, Bill, you know, I'm a huge Frankie Edgar fan, but, uh, you know, going back to what you were saying about Frankie's response during that interview, man, a win for Stevens puts him in a really great position in terms of potential title shot, in terms of rankings, because Frankie Edgar is top two or three guys of that weight class, but... You know, Frankie Edgar, he's risking a lot, man. I don't. I feel like he doesn't have too much to gain. Uh, I feel like if he gets a win in the in this uh, fight, it's kind of like he's just doing another day's work, you know. And he's already tried and failed twice against uh, Jose Aldo, and you know he he lost a. I believe he's fought Benson Henderson twice, and he lost both fights. So Edgar's in a tough spot, man. Uh, it looks like he, he might end up like Uriah Faber, where he's a great fighter, but unfortunately he doesn't have much to show for it. Well, he does have his championship at 155 pounds. And, uh, you know, Frankie Edgar only 35, which is, you know, he's he's creeping up on those upper 30s there. I, I still think that there's potential for him to drop down to 135. I mean, when he was fighting at 155, he wasn't even cutting weight. So obviously 145 isn't a huge cut for him. He's not a tremendously big guy. Um, he, he, he beat Uriah Faber, who has uh, fought at 135 pounds before. And I feel like Uriah carries a lot more muscle than, than Frankie does. So I don't think it's out of the question for Frankie to drop down to 135. And I think there's a lot of interesting fights for him there. I think it would be a really interesting to see him 
fighting against the champion Dominic Cruz or whomever is the the champion. Uh, obviously, he's got to fight a big fight against uh, Cody Garbrandt coming up. But uh, you know, TJ Dillashaw that would be another another great fight for Frankie Edgar. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think a win over Jeremy Stevens really does much for Frankie Edgar, but a win over Frankie Edgar does the world for Jeremy Stevens, especially if he's able to do it impressively because he's looking to move up the ranks uh, in this 145 pound division. And what better way to do that than to uh, finish or impressively defeat a guy who was the champion a weight class higher. And uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't see Frankie Edgar fighting Jose Aldo for a third time either. So if Jose decides that he wants to continue fighting and he sticks around and he's the champion, I don't see Frankie getting that shot anytime soon. I do see him getting a title shot much quicker in the bantamweight division. And I'm surprised actually that Jeremy Stevens is only 30 years old because it seems like he has been around forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's surprising. Um, And real quick, just going back to what you were saying about Frankie Edgar and some of the fights that he could potentially have at 135, those all sound like awesome fights. I'd actually love to see Edgar versus Dominic Cruz. Mm -hmm. I feel like that that has fight of the century written all over it. Yeah. Uh, So uh, I I certainly hope that Edgar uh, keeps that offer on the table, moving down to 135, because that would be... As a fight fan, that that makes my mouth water. Dominic Cruz versus Frankie Edgar. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I would like to see him do it off of a win. So maybe win the fight against Jeremy Stevens, and then make the decision to drop down, just so it doesn't look like he's feeling defeated. Um, so if he if he loses against Jeremy Stevens, I like to see him take one more at one forty five and mm-hmm. and drop down, coming off of a coming off of a victory. Uh, if he is able to get the win over Jeremy Stevens, then uh, I think it would be a good idea for him to drop a weight class. But yeah, Jeremy Stevens has been fighting in the UFC on and off since 2007 and only 30 years old. Uh, and we know he's one of the hardest workers in the game. We know he's got incredible knockout power. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see him, you know, win or lose in this fight. I'm excited to see him continue at 145 pounds. Jeff, I don't think you actually gave us a pick. I know you're a fan of Edgar, and you said that the fight a win does more for Jeremy Stevens. Who are you going with here? Uh, I'm going to give it to Edgar just because of how uh, high of a level his jiu-jitsu and wrestling are at. I mm-hmm. feel like uh, like Jeremy Stevens might not. He could probably win on the feet yeah. because his striking is that good and that powerful. But I think that he can't compete with Edgar on the ground. Yeah, well, Frankie does have really crisp boxing, and he has great footwork. He knows how to avoid big shots, uh, which is what Jeremy Stevens brings to the table. But Jeremy Stevens knows how to land big shots. So, all right, you're going with Frankie Edgar. Let's move on to the next fight. And uh, this is another former champion appearing on this card in Misha Tate. And she's facing Raquel Pennington. Uh, this is a this is a very interesting fight. I think Raquel Pennington may have a little bit more to gain from a victory over the former champion here. Uh, she's coming off a three fight win streak. She she had um, an impressive submission victory over Jessica Andrade, split decision against Bech Coea, and then her last fight was a unanimous decision against Misha Tate. Obviously, we know. Misha Tate coming off a devastating loss. She losing in her first title defense to the current bantamweight champion, Amanda Nunez. Uh, how do you see this one playing out, Jeff? 
One, uh, real quick, just to clarify, uh, Bill, are we still on the prelim card, or is this the main card that we're moving into now? I believe this is the first fight on the main card. So this will... Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so... This will be, you know, Madison Square Garden first fight ever to appear on pay-per-view for MMA. Yeah, so super excited. And for those of you who may or may not know, Raquel Pennington was actually on Team Tate when she was on uh, the Ultimate Fighter season 20 or 21. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm really fascinated for this one, Bill. Because this is a student versus master fight that you have now. Yeah. And Raquel Pennington, she's got a nice string of wins against some very game competition. Uh, I think Pennington's a great fighter, but I think Misha Tate uh, has the better mentality, and she just has more miles on her fight brain. So I feel like Tate can pull it off just because... She's lost championships before. She was the former Strike Force champion, and she came back strong after she lost to Ronda Rousey. So I feel like uh, I got to give this one to Tate. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great point. We have seen Misha Tate uh, display fantastic resilience in the past, and we know that she comes back motivated after a loss. Uh, it had to be especially devastating that she was submitted by. Amanda Nunez, that was a tough fight. I feel like she had a really quick turnaround um, after gaining the title, um, which really shows you know how game she is. And she's probably itching to get back in there. This is a, a huge card. It's gonna really put women's MMA in the spotlight. A lot, a lot of eyes are gonna be on this. It's the first pay-per-view fight ever in MMA at Madison Square Garden, and that's a huge deal. And Misha Tate, surprisingly, because of the way you've been picking, is a favorite here. She's sitting at minus 170 in the current betting odds, and Raquel Pennington's at plus 160. I would have expected to be for uh, Misha to be a little bit more of a favorite since she is the former champion, but uh, this is definitely a tough fight, especially with Raquel Pennington having so much momentum coming off this three-fight winning streak that she's on, which is kind of rare in this division as of right now since especially since it's a division where the title has changed hands so many times and I'm getting more and more excited as I'm moving up this card and going towards the main event here uh, so what we have is uh, another Ultimate Fighter alumni and Kelvin Gastelum taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone Gastelum is a big big welterweight he's had a lot of difficulty making weight in the past we've talked about this several times on the show before uh and donald cerrone is taking another fight at welterweight moving up from lightweight and he has looked just fantastic three fights at 170 pounds and three finishes he's got a submission over alex Oliveira, knockout over patrick cote and a knockout, uh, an amazingly beautiful knockout over Rick the Horror Story in his last fight, which was just in August. So another quick turnaround for Cowboy, but he has really looked phenomenal since making this move up to welterweight. I think it's a great move for him. Uh, he, he was a big lightweight. He was cutting a lot of weight. Uh, never missed weight, but, you know, you never want to see a guy you know, go on further in his career, making that tough cut. And he has really just looked great. Um, 
And then Kelvin Gastelum looking pretty decent in his last fight with a unanimous decision win over Johnny Hendricks at UFC 200. Um, both of those guys looked kind of gassed and, and kind of worn out towards the end of that fight. So not a not a ton of momentum for Kelvin Gastelum, but uh, this is definitely a high-profile fight for him. Obviously, Cowboy Cerrone, one of the biggest names in the sport, one of the more popular fighters. So all that being said, uh, how do you see this one going, Jeff? Uh, this one's tough. Uh, just because I'm a fan of both of these guys, uh, I have uh, really enjoyed watching Kelvin Gastelum fight. Uh, unfortunately, it, it sucks about uh, his problems with making weight every now and then. Uh, he's a really good wrestler. His striking is pretty decent, but he uses it more to set up his grappling. And I think Donald Cerrone is a tough test for anyone, man. He's got great Muay Thai. He's got sick jiu-jitsu. He's good off his back on the ground. Uh, so there are very few answers for Donald Cerrone. So i got to give it to him. I think Cerrone's got this one. Yeah. I think you made a lot of great points there. Uh, so Cowboy's strengths kind of play against Kelvin's strengths because he does have excellent wrestling. But, uh, you know, Cowboy definitely has more technical striking with his Muay Thai. So if Kelvin, you know, is having trouble with Cowboy on the feet and he takes him down, uh, Cowboy's dangerous off his back. He just got his black belt a couple of months ago, um, probably overdue for that. He's got many submission wins, a lot of them off of his back. But uh, Kelvin Gastelum always comes in with a great game plan as well. He, he does have a considerable size advantage over Cowboy uh, since, you know, Kelvin's coming down in weight. I believe he used to compete at 185. Am I making that up? Nope, you're right. Uh, he won the Ultimate Fighter at 185 against Uriah Hall. Okay, yeah, so here's a guy coming down from 185 against a guy who came up from 155. But, yeah, these are two really exciting fighters to watch. I really think they're going to put on a show for the people at Madison Square Garden. And I'm really having a hard time figuring out when I'm going to go to the bathroom during this card because <laughs> it's one <laughs> amazing fight after another here. Yeah, I might not. I might not be able to drink that day because I want to remember every single thing that happens, man. Uh, like this whole card, top to bottom, just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, Cowboy Cerrone, I didn't mention also coming in uh, a slight favorite here. He's sitting at minus one fifty-two, and Gastelum at plus one thirty-eight. So if you're looking to bet all underdogs. You're going to go with Gaslam, or if you want to bet with Jeff, you're going Cowboy Cerrone on that one. Uh, let, let's move up to, you know, a clash of the titans here. We got Chris Weidman, who has been the face of sanctioning MMA in New York. He's been one of the guys that's been going to hearings and presenting facts and testifying in court and really pushing to get MMA legalized in New York. Uh, he was going to be on this card come hell or high water. I'm sure he would have preferred to have a rematch against Luke Rockhold or or even more preferably have a title shot against Michael Bisbing on this card. Um, but he's taken on a super tough contender in Yoel Romero. Both of these guys, only one loss on either of their records. Uh, both amazing high-level wrestlers. Uh, both have impressive wins in the UFC. Uh, Romero is just a, a huge, huge competitor. 
He's a little bit older. He's thir he's 39 years old now. Um, but you know these these wrestlers seem to seem to always age well. And um, you know the only blemish I would say on Yoel Romero's record is the fight against Ken Tim Kennedy, which we talked about on the last fight, where he didn't get off the stool in the second round. He should have been counted out of that contest, but he wasn't. And, um, you know, that's what we're left with here. does have a seven-fight win streak, technically. Um, but like we said last time, you know, we don't really count the, the win over Tim Kennedy. So let's, uh, let's, let's scratch that one from his record. And Chris Weidman, on the other hand, coming off the only loss in his UFC career when he lost his championship to Luke Rockhold by TKO. Uh, the, that spinning back kick, I'm sure he wishes he could take back uh, from UFC 194 uh, when Rockhold finished him there. So we're going to see how, you know, Weidman bounces back from adversity. We've never seen him fight after a loss before. Uh, but, you know, just given what we've seen of him testifying in court and doing everything that he did to get MMA sanctioned in New York, I, I don't imagine that he's he's taking it easy, and I don't imagine he's taking Yoel Romero lightly. Uh, how do you see this one going, Jeff? Um, now, uh, you made some awesome points, but I have to go with the local guy again, man. I got to give it to Chris Weidman. He's a tough dude, and yeah, he's coming off his first loss. Uh, we haven't seen him ever fight after a loss, but you got to remember, this is a guy who beat Anderson Silva pretty convincingly twice. Yep. You know, it's, that's hard enough to do one time in, a, in anybody's lifetime. Uh, so, you know, Weidman's a tough dude, but like you said, he has a real test in front of him. Romero is super athletic, super powerful. Um, so I'm really, I'm really, really curious for this fight because I want to see how Weidman uh, reacts to that pure power and athleticism that Romero brings to the table. Uh, so it's going to be a really fun watch, but I'm going with Weidman on this one. Yeah, and uh, Romero's power Im impressive, especially because you know he doesn't use his wrestling all that much. Most of his wins have come by way of knockout. Uh, out of his eleven wins in MMA, nine of them by KO or TKO. Uh, so he has he has scary power standing up, and he's got scary power wrestling. But uh, we know that Chris Weidman has displayed power in both of those areas as well. Uh, Weidman coming in a slight favorite. As the hometown boy at minus 162, even though he is coming off a loss. And uh, Romero coming in at plus 150. Uh, so you're going with the favorite here, Jeff, in, uh, in Chris Weidman. And then moving up, we're going to the the top favorite in terms of betting on the card. Ioana Janjacic versus Karolina Kovokovic in the Spelling Bee Nightmare fight. <laughs> I have... <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, this is gonna be an interesting one to listen to. Yeah, I I I can say that I'm I'm proud of myself for being able to pronounce the names of both of these women. But if you ask me to spell them, uh, I might have a brain aneurysm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this is uh, yeah, uh, this is this is one of the most exciting fights on the card, I think, especially because you have two fighters who are high level strikers. And they're both undefeated. This is this is a, a national rivalry. Both of these women coming out of 
Poland. And I've told this story on the podcast before. I don't, I don't know if you remember uh, how Karolina Kvokovic came to be in the UFC. Apparently, she was a top Muay Thai striker in one of the Poland M- Polish MMA rings. And Ioana Jurczyk went to Dana White and said, I want you to sign this bitch and get her in the UFC so I can beat her. So there's a, there's a little bit of a rivalry here. Uh, I feel like it's been overshadowed by some of the other title fights uh, going on on this card and the drama associated with them. But this is this is really an awesome fight. Uh, I think Ioana Jurczyk, the, the advantage she has is she has a lot more finishes under her belt. And she has two more fights in MMA than Kovokovic, but obviously we've seen Kovokovic have some excellent, excellent striking. Um, I'm super excited for this fight. It's the first title fight to ever take place in MMA at Madison Square Garden, and and it's two women in the in the strawweight division. So how do you see this one playing out, Jeff? I haven't seen Kovokovic too much. Um, but Joanna and Jacek is scary, dude. I mean, I think she could put it on, you know, like a bantamweight in the men's division. Like, that's how good her striking is. And that's how powerful she is. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize how scary Joanna and Jacek is. She is, whatever Ronda Rousey did for the women's bantamweight division, Joanna and Jacek is doing for the women's strawweight division. So I'm going to go with Ian Jacek. I know she's the biggest favorite on this card, but for very, very good reason. She is a scary individual. Yeah, uh, all great points. Uh, the, the only other um, fact I'll throw out there is that Ioana Ian Jacek has changed camps. She's now training at American Top Team down in Florida. Um, so this will be her first fight after training camps. Um, a lot of people would consider this you know, a step up in training for her. Supposedly things have been going well there. Kovokovic is, is going to be a tough test. Uh, I don't really see this fight going to the ground. Neither of these fighters uh, seem to seem to like going to the ground at all. But Kovokovic does have two submission victories under her belt um, in her MMA career. One's a rear naked choke and one's an arm bar. So she does have some submissions in her back pocket. Any of that sway your opinion, or are you still going with the favorite here? Um, we've seen Ian Jacek be able to uh, keep the fight standing, uh, especially against uh, Cookie Monster. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm blanking on her actual name. Uh, the chick that Yoni Jacek beat for the belt. Um, she won the uh, Ultimate Fighter. She beat Rose Namajunas. Carlos Barza. Carlos Barza, yes. Uh, <laughs> Jacek shut down all of Carlos Barza's takedown attempts. So, you know, Kovokovic uh, does have some good uh, ground game, but we'll see if Joanna wants to keep it standing because she's fully capable. If she wants to, she can keep it standing. So I'm really fascinated to see where this ends up, but I feel like it's pro- more than likely 90% it's going to be on the feet the whole time. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I, and I, especially if they're looking to settle a score over, you know, not only who the best straw weight is, but who the best uh, Polish MMA fighter on the planet is. Uh, I, I would agree with you that they're going to want to keep it standing just to prove that point. Uh, so again, Jan Jacek coming, coming in, the, the biggest favorite on the entire card at minus 380. 
and uh, Karolina Kovokovic coming in at plus 342. So if you like betting underdogs, uh, Kovokovic would be the biggest moneymaker for you if she were able to pull off the upset. Um, so speaking of upset, someone who was upset that Tyron Woodley didn't want to fight him right away when he won the title from Robbie Lawler was Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And this is a really interesting fight here because you have a really explosive athletic fighter in Tyron Woodley who just knocked out, you know, one of the guys with with one of the toughest chins in the history of the sport, knocked him out cold in the first round in Robbie Lawler, uh, facing one of the guys with, you know, also up there with some of the best striking in the world. I, I would put him up there in the bracket with Ioanni and Jacek for for some of the best striking in MMA, undefeated as a kickboxer, and uh, coming in with only one loss in his MMA career. He's on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fight win streak right now, just coming off a great fight with Rory McDonald. And um, Tyron Woodley has only fought, you know, a couple of minutes in the last year and a half because before the fight with Robbie Lawler, he had a 17 or 18 month layoff. Obviously, it didn't affect him much since he was able to go in there and get the job done. But, you know, Woodley is a is a fast starter. So for Stephen Thompson, he's going to have to weather the storm, you know, use his, his weird wacky kicks to kind of keep the distance and keep Woodley at bay and kind of basically outpoint him. For Woodley, he's going to have to rush in on Wonder Boy and either get this fight to the ground and beat him up on the ground or land a big shot on the feet. Uh, which which route do you see this fight going there, Jeff? Or do you disagree with me altogether? No, I actually agree with you on this one. But, uh, you know, as big a fan as I am of Tyron Woodley, I don't think he can deal with Wonder Boy and what he brings to the table. Because Wonder Boy is dangerous on the feet. And we've seen him... Uh, be able to keep the fight standing. We saw it against Rory McDonald. We saw it against Johnny Hendricks. He's a tough guy to get to the ground, and that's even if you can get in a good range uh, because, you know, he's uh, Wonderboy is so good at using the, his, uh, you know, his length advantage, his, uh, mm-hmm. his height, his wingspan. He can keep guys away from him, and not only that, he can hit you from really weird angles. Yeah. So... I, I really don't think that one uh, that uh that Tyron Woodley can do it this time. Yeah, all all interesting points. Um, so you're going with Stephen Thompson, who is the favorite here. He's sitting at minus one ninety uh, against the champion Tyron Woodley, who's at plus one seventy four. Uh, it, it's kind of strange that the champion's an underdog, but uh, again, I have no fucking clue how they make these odds. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, a lot of great points. Uh, Stephen Thompson is an expert at creating distance and and keeping the fight at his range and where he wants it to be. Uh, not a lot of guys have been able to smother him, and his takedown defense has gotten you know exponentially greater since he started in the UFC. Obviously, I think he was a little tentative with, with wrestling when he first started coming from the, the karate and the, and the kickboxing background that he comes from, but definitely a, a lot more comfortable with grappling, and, and he's got some excellent takedown defense. Um, you know, not a bad pick, but there's there's always the, the chance that 
Tyron Woodley can come in with a big bomb or he can take the fight to the ground and um, and make it a rough night for, for Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, either way, another exciting title fight. The, the first male title fight to ever take place at Madison Square Garden. We got a lot of firsts on this card uh, for the, you know, the first UFC event in New York City. And that brings us to the main event, a fight that was um, uh, announced a little bit late. It was one of the, the fights that we kind of anticipated would happen. I remember we had predicted on this show that this would be the matchup that would happen here. And, you know, there was some doubt that had come up. We thought maybe Connor had a leg injury after the fight with Nate Diaz. Uh, we thought maybe this fight wouldn't culminate. But I got to say, I'm really excited for this one. And, of course, I'm talking about the lightweight championship matchup between Connor McGregor and the current champion, Eddie Alvarez. Obviously, this makes history uh, for so many different reasons. Conor McGregor could potentially be the first fighter in UFC history to hold titles in weight classes, in two different weight classes simultaneously. And obviously, Eddie Alvarez really can put his name on the map with a victory over Conor McGregor. Uh, I think in terms of striking ability, you have to give the edge to Conor McGregor. Uh, he definitely has the cleaner boxing and the cleaner kickboxing, and he's got you know, nasty, nasty striking, and it's very precise. Um, a critique of his would be, you know, that he doesn't seem to have that championship gas tank, uh, as he's shown. Uh, his downfall against Nate Diaz in the first fight seemed to be that he ran out of gas, and, and Nate was able to pick him apart until he dove for a sloppy takedown and then got submitted. And even in his last fight against Nate Diaz, he came in with a better game plan and he tried to reserve his gas tank and it still seemed like he gassed out a little bit towards the end. Somebody who's never going to gas out is Eddie Alvarez and I feel that Alvarez is much more dangerous than Nate Diaz in that if you run out of breath against Eddie Alvarez he's got a lot more punching power to put you away. So connor has got to have a smart game plan and either try to knock him out and, and empty his gas tank in that first round or he's going to have to really try and pace himself and make sure that his cardio holds up because the second it wavers, you know, Eddie Alvarez has the potential to put anybody away uh, with one punch. Uh, Alvarez obviously has the edge in the grappling department. He's an excellent wrestler. Uh, he's got solid jiu-jitsu, very well-rounded fighter in Eddie Alvarez. Uh, I think a lot of people overlook him. He was definitely overlooked. When he won the championship against Rafael dos Anjos, and uh, I still think a lot of people aren't giving him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, he's only a slight underdog in this fight, though. I, I would have expected Conor McGregor to be a little bit more of a favorite since he is the bigger name, and that seems to be all that determines these odds. But McGregor's sitting at minus 145 right now. Eddie Alvarez is a plus 143. You know, if you're a betting person, you would probably like to see Eddie Alvarez be a little bit more of an underdog because that would be a big money maker for you if he were able to pull off an upset. But all that being said, Jeff, uh, this is the big one. This is the main event, Madison Square Garden, first UFC card ever in New York City. This is the headliner. How's it going to end? 
let us know. Honestly, I think it's Alvarez. I think Alvarez is going to win, man. He's just got that uh, that Rocky mentality, you know, uh, where he grinds it out. And he can do it, man. Uh, I feel like, like you said before, he's more dangerous than Nate Diaz. Uh, if you, you know, take a second to rest against Addy Alvarez, he will use that to his advantage and he will make you pay if you are not in the right uh, in the right cardio shape for this fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, we've seen Conor McGregor tire out a little bit. He he seems to have a little bit more trouble, uh, especially if he unleashes a flurry because, you know, that exhausts a person. Uh, and if Alvarez can get past that, which I think he can. Alvarez is a tough dude. Uh, I think he can do it. Alvarez also has punching power, which we saw against Rafael Los Angeles. So you can't count out Alvarez. I know McGregor is good. He's very good. He has unbelievable power himself. Just ask Jose Aldo, at least the parts he remembers. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this is a mouth-watering fight, man. I, like, I think Alvarez is going to win, but I still want to see it happen. I still want to see these guys just go at each other. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and then... The, the other thing to consider, too, is the, the mental aspect, because Conor McGregor seems to do better against fighters when he's able to get in their heads. Now, I know that Eddie Alvarez is one of the toughest fighters to ever compete in MMA. There's no doubt about that, and there's no doubt about his work ethic, about his power, and about you know his well-rounded skills. But he did seem to get a little bit flustered uh, at that initial press conference. Um, we, we know that he can't talk on the same level as Conor McGregor. I don't really know anybody who can at this point. He just seems to shut people down. He has, he has very calculated trash talk and, and he seems to know how to get in people's heads. So, uh, I, I think as long as Eddie Alvarez is able to fight without emotions and he's able to go in there and just rely on his skills, I think he enjoys being the underdog. So I think that that plays to his advantage, the fact that uh, Conor McGregor is the betting favorite. You know, his overall MMA skills are better, but Conor McGregor has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. So who knows what he's going to pull, if there's going to be, you know, some kind of tactics at the weigh-ins to to get Eddie Alvarez uh, riled up or or anything like that so that he's fighting with his emotions. Uh, We don't know. We don't know what what kind of tricks... Connor has up his sleeves, and uh, that could be the X factor here. Um, but definitely an exciting fight, and uh, we've gone through the entire card at this point, Jeff. So I'm gonna go over real quick all your picks here. You got uh, Liz Karamush in the first fight, then Bilal Muhammad, which you changed your pick, uh, but you're going with Muhammad. Then you got Jim Miller, and you got Rafael Natal. Uh, Kennedy and Rashad Evans, you had it as a pick 'em, but luckily that fight's not going to happen, so we don't have to worry about that. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully Tim Kennedy does a smart thing and calls out Jacare Souza. Uh, then you got uh, Khabib getting the win over Michael Johnson. You think uh, the local boy, Jersey boy, Frankie Edgar, is going to get the job done against Jeremy Stevens. Uh, then you got. Misha Tate, the, the former champion, getting the job done. And then you got Cowboy Cerrone uh, taking on a, another favorite of yours, Kelvin Gastelum. You think Cowboy gets it done there. 
Then another local boy, Chris Weidman, you think will get the nod over Yoel Romero. Then you got Ioannia Jacek, the heaviest favorite on the card. You're going with her to beat her her Polish comrade, or I guess she's not a comrade in, in this instance, but, but uh, her, her Polish nemesis, Karolina Kovokovic. Um, then you think Wonder Boy gets it done over the champ Tyron Woodley. And then you got Alvarez beating McGregor. So in your opinion, and I'm going to ask you if you want to change any of these. I know I went through them pretty quick. But in your opinion, the only title-changing hands in New York will be the men's welterweight championship. You think Ioana is going to keep her belt, and you think Eddie Alvarez is going to keep his. Um, so how are you feeling about those picks, Jeff, now, now that I read them all out loud to you at once? Uh, you know, I'm still pretty confident. Uh, I feel like Alvarez and Yuan are going to get it done. And I think we are going to see a new champion in Wonderboy Thompson. All right. So according to Jeff, at least one title will be changing hands in New York City on Saturday night. So I, I'm so excited for this card. I, I mean, I, I've been thinking about all of these matchups for the longest time. And this is this is really a treat for, for MMA fans. Uh, the fact that they're able to put a card from top to bottom that's so exciting. Uh, it, it's really unfortunate that we've seen one fight so far uh, taken away from us in Tim Kennedy versus Rashad Evans. But, you know, hopefully Rashad is in good health. Uh, I'm sure by the time this is posted, we'll know a little bit more details on that. And, you know, the wild card here is the New York State Athletic Commission. We don't really know what to expect from them. We don't know how strict they're going to be or what kind of tests are going to be given these guys because we've never seen it before. Uh, but hopefully the rest of this card stays intact. Now, something else I wanted to talk about. Uh, obviously, I've moved down to Florida. If you listen to the last couple of episodes, and I, I didn't realize that I had moved to a microbrewery mecca down here. There's just amazing <laughs> craft beer everywhere. Uh, I, I mean, Barley Mo, which is right up the street from me that I talked about on the last episode, is one of my new favorite places on planet Earth, and uh, I plan on spending a lot of time there. Um, we have a, a lot of great breweries down here. St. Petersburg has eight or nine breweries, and then uh, Dunedin, which is another town I talked about in the last episode, has some great breweries where you could just walk around the town and, and walk to three or four breweries uh, after you visit Cotherman's distillery um but in honor of mma being sanctioned in new york and the first fight at madison square garden i wanted to go through my top five new york breweries obviously i'm a new york native so my heart is still in new york and i still appreciate great new york craft beer and uh it's something that i've definitely been a little bit homesick for even though you know i've been able to experience a, a lot of great alcohol down here so i'm going to go over my top five and um you know tell me if you've ever had them and if you haven't go and check them out jeff because uh, i'm giving you some golden tips here these this is uh this is uh, decades of research that i've done on on top <laughs> top local beers and I, i'm gonna i'm gonna share it with you right now so in, in no particular order uh these, these are my top five uh new york breweries so i'm gonna start off with with uh blue point brewery and they're out of long island new york which is you know where our uh 
our boy Chris Weidman is from, obviously, who's who's fighting on the card. So I don't know if he's ever been there, but this is a, a brewery out on Long Island. And uh, my favorite beer that I like from them is their toasted lager. Have you ever experienced this, Jeff? I have not, unfortunately. All right, well, go out and get yourself a toasted lager, uh, maybe when you're down in Atlantic City. My recommendation is to try this beer on draft. Uh, it's it's good out of a bottle. Uh, it'll it'll definitely you know have all the flavors and everything like that. But this is just one of those beers that you need to experience on draft. And, and the name kind of speaks for itself. It's got a real toasted flavor. Uh, you know, a little bit of an oakiness to it, which uh, we all know that I love. That that's always what I look for in my my whiskeys and and likewise in my beers. But it's just a really full flavored beer. It's one of those beers that. You know, you get it out of a draft, and it's just got this consistent flavor that just has a homey taste to it. Um, so, if you can find that on draft, I highly recommend it, Jeff. I, I've seen it, I've seen it in bottle down here in Florida, but I haven't found it on draft yet. Um, they may or may not have it. I know they do distribute pretty widely, but um, you know, it's been a tough one to find on draft here. So, if you can find that on draft, go check that out. Uh, second one, uh, I grew up in Westchester, New York. And uh, in Elmsford, New York, which is in, in Westchester, there's Captain Lawrence Brewery. And uh, we've talked about them on the show before. I can't remember which beer it was that I brought up, but the, the recommendation I'm going to make is their Fresh Chester Pale Ale. And uh, it's just like a really light pale ale. It's got some citrus notes to it. And you can actually go to the Captain Lawrence Brewery up in Elmsford, and it's just one of those spots where they do live music. They have a tasting room where you buy a sample glass, and they just let you go through and taste all their beer. And um, they really do some fantastic beers, and they distribute pretty widely as well. So you should be able to find them out in New Jersey, Jeff, or or, or for the listeners, wherever you're listening from, uh, check out Captain Lawrence. They're, they're another one of my favorite New York breweries. Uh, you ever get in, get down with some Captain Lawrence, Jeff? You know, I think we may, I may have tried that one at your place once, because it does ring a little bit of a bell. All right. Well, that could have been one of those long podcast nights where <laughs> we were <laughs> we were sampling a lot of things. We got to do a lot of research for this show. I mean, people think it's just all fun and games here, but you know, we gotta we gotta research all this beer. It's not just yeah can't just recommend a product without trying it first that's just bad that's just bad on all sides it's not gonna work yeah i like to keep things positive here on mma on the rocks if i don't like it i don't talk about it uh so any any products or or spirits or beers that i that i bring up on the show it's because i truly enjoy them and uh and i I think you guys should experience them as well and you know, one of the sound bites I had from you, Jeff, is that you know what good beer is now, <laughs> ever since being part of this show. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been enjoyable. Actually, uh, I didn't drink beer uh, the right way, I guess, because it was mostly Coronas and Heineken's growing up. But, uh, you know, there are some awesome beers out there that are really enjoyable and really take you for a journey. Yeah, and it, it's it's our responsibility now to make people aware of those beers and uh, make sure they're getting out there and trying them. And um, another one, uh, another one of my favorite breweries, and, and they have a lot of fantastic beers, but I'm, I'm only going to recommend one beer from each of these breweries. And this is a New York City brewery. It's a Brooklyn brewery. And I'm pretty sure you've had some of their 
beers before, Jeff. Uh, I'm going to go with their, their Brooklyn Lager, which is kind of their flagship, their staple. And it's another just like really full-bodied beer. Uh, they do sit a little bit heavy. These are not the kind of beers where you're going to have six, seven, eight of them in a night. But uh, I, I always say like it's good to start off your night with a Brooklyn Lager. You know, have it with dinner, have it with a steak, and um, and then move on to something a little lighter. But uh, Brooklyn Lager, really, really fantastic beer. And obviously, they're out in Brooklyn, New York. Another one I'm going to go with out of uh, Westchester, Yonkers, New York, which is uh, just a stone throws away from where I grew up in New Rochelle. Uh, they, they opened their brewery just a couple of years ago, and um, I didn't expect much from them at first, but they really came out of the gate strong, and their American IPA is really fantastic, and, and it's been featured on this podcast. I think if you go back to episode six or seven, I go into a lot more detail about this particular beer, but... Uh, Yonkers really coming out with a, a pleasant surprise. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced uh, Yonkers Brewery, Jeff. I have not, but I do recall you uh, giving them a good amount of praise uh, on one episode, and I would like to check that one out. Yeah, definitely do it. I mean, if you have a chance to, to take a trip across the Hudson, go check out their brewery there, or you should be able to find them. Uh, over there in Jersey as well. If you're not in the New York, New Jersey area, you'll probably have a really hard time finding Yonkers Brewery. But uh, if you if you visit the area, if you're in town for UFC 205 or anything like that, uh, take the trip up to Yonkers and go check out Yonkers Brewery. You won't be disappointed. Their their beer is fantastic. Um, and, and my fifth one, and again, these are in no particular order. These are just the five breweries that I missed the most ever since moving down south and uh this one comes from far upstate new york in utica and it's saranac uh brewing company uh so saranac also known pretty famously in upstate new york for making great root beer uh so if you're a fan of root beer if you're not a drinker and you're listening to this podcast for some reason um saranac root beer (laughs) uh It's a, it's really delicious. I'm I'm not a big soda drinker. I usually don't drink any soda at all unless there's whiskey in it. Um, <laughs> and and even then, I, I prefer very light on the soda. But uh, Saranac makes a really great root beer. These are these are great uh, campfire beers. Saranac. These are really delicious beers that just taste good when you're outdoors. Uh, you go out for a hike or a kayak trip like I did today, and. Um, and you come back to a campfire and you crack one of these open and it's just one of those beers that that makes you feel good you know drinking outdoors and uh the one i'll recommend from them is their pale ale uh but uh, what i would really recommend is is getting their their uh trek mix or their trail mix they have a a variety pack and uh some really great beers in that one you may have to be in the upstate new york area to get a hold of those uh, although I have seen them downstate on occasion, but it's kind of like a rare unicorn. But uh, if you find any Saranacs, Jeff, uh, pick them up and, and give them a try and, and have a campfire. Don't do it in your house. Um, <laughs> go outside and light, <laughs> light a fire and crack open some Saranacs. Yeah, I got I to gotta build something because having a fire in here is not going to work. Yeah, I... I mean, you don't want to burn your house down. 
especially before you get your internet back <laughs> because then <laughs> <laughs> i mean if i don't get my internet back soon i might not have a choice here bill yeah well <laughs> right <laughs> between not having internet now you feel homeless but if you have a campfire in your bedroom you might actually be homeless <laughs> well yeah i just i just need to get my head back i'll be all right as soon as i get my internet back yeah. All right. Well, my head's feeling pretty good about the way we broke down this card. So, you know, thanks for all your input on this. Uh, I'm so excited for this. Do you have any kind of last culminating thoughts on the card, on, on the New York beers, or on life in general? Uh, I mean, this card looks awesome, dude. And I'm actually coming back from AC early so I can rest up and then head out again so I could go watch this car. Uh, this card uh, at that bar by my house. So super excited about it. And Bill, uh, pretty soon I'm going to have to hear your top five Florida breweries uh, <laughs> because you still got to do a little bit of research for me on that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I just got down here. I've, I've only been to about, you know, a half dozen of them so far. So that's not that's not enough for me to, to build up a list. But by the time you get down here, I'm determined to, to have a top five list put together. And, and then we'll go check them all out and, and maybe record a podcast at, at one of them, hopefully. Um, but yeah, uh, so, so much excitement surrounding this card, so much so that we had to make an episode dedicated just to breaking it down. Uh, and I can't even put to words anymore how excited I am for MMA to be in New York. Uh, I look forward to eventually going to an MMA event in New York eventually uh, when I go back to visit. I know World Series of Fighting is having an event there New Year's Eve, I believe, but uh, I, I definitely want to see MMA at the Garden. It, it's just such a, a fantastic step forward for this sport, and I'm really glad to see my home state of New York stepping up and sanctioning MMA. And uh, yeah, just so many exciting things going on. So pick yourself up uh, a, a six-pack or a 12-pack or whatever you need from one of these top uh, New York breweries that I mentioned, Blue Point, Captain Lawrence, Brooklyn, uh, Yonkers, and Saranac. Obviously, there are a lot of uh, great breweries in New York besides these five, but these are just the top five I decided to go with because they, they've always been my go-to when I was living in New York, and uh, I'm going to have to find some new go-tos down here in Florida. But um, yeah, again, just so much excitement. By the time this podcast airs, we're going to have a new president, and uh uh, a lot of a lot of crazy things going on in the world, but I know Jeff, you and I will be texting during this card, and then we'll come back and we'll see how how correct your predictions were. <laughs> so if you if you take issue with any of Jeff's picks, again you can find him at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, it's at MMA on the Rocks Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MMA on the of course, and then please if you're digging the podcast. Get onto iTunes, get onto Google Play, wherever you're listening. Leave us a review, leave us some feedback. We definitely appreciate it. Let us know what you're thinking and drinking, everybody. Cheers. Goodbye.